Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol, and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Hello, Steph. Hello, Kate. What are we going to talk about today? It's a big one, isn't it? It's always a big one. I mean, the intention of this conversation is all about finding yourself in sobriety, which is just huge. (laughs) Like, where do we start? There's so many avenues to go down, but it happens for sure. And I don't know about you, like the first thing I think of, because I go all the way back to when I first got sober, I feel like I reverted back to that 14-year-old girl who started drinking. All the things that she loved and who she was came back to me. And ever since then, here we are two years later, it's just been like, dissect this, dissect that. I mean, it is. And the whole finding yourself thing, it's always, I've never really liked phrases like that. Mm. But I have found myself using them because I can't think of any other ways to say it. But it is a very good and accurate way of describing your life when it completely changes and you didn't necessarily realize that by drinking a lot, you know, people who drink, you know, three, four or more times a week, you didn't realize how much of your life you put on hold in order to maintain that relationship with alcohol. And I certainly didn't realize how much of my brain time it was taking up. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got all the physical differences. And we've spoken about a lot of those. And, you know, looking younger, feeling better, your body's functioning, your brain's working again, it's not dehydrated, your memory comes back. But actually, you've suddenly got this free time. And you do start looking at yourself because you have to fill that time. You have to make decisions. And you suddenly the world has opened up. And, and literally, I mean, opened up by the fact you can drive in the evening. You are awake with energy in the morning. Suddenly, there's all this space and opportunity. And you've got to try and work out how you want to fill it. And because you're not drunk, you want to make the right decisions, don't you? And you want to do that carefully and slowly. And I find for me, I really wanted to find myself. And I feel like even when I was a drinker, I always had this yearning of what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be when I grow up? And like, I'm <laughs> about to be 44 years old. And I feel like for the first time since 14, those things are starting to become more clear. I do believe that this is a lifelong journey. I don't think we're ever going to just be like, yep, this is who I am. That's it. It's done. But I think what has happened since letting go of alcohol is like, I can really like dig in because part of finding yourself, you have to like feel things and you have to let them investigate. Why do I feel this way when this happens? Instead of like, well, I don't like the way that feels. So I'm going to go get hammered now. And that is, I think, where the magic happens. Is yeah. when you really start because I started basically asking myself why, like when things would come up, okay, why? Like I would get curious about it. And I want to share one thing that I have discovered. Before I started drinking at 14, I used to do competitive dance and it was very like, hardcore. Like the woman that was helping us was my partner's mother and everything had to be perfect. I mean, we're talking when we would go to do the routine, if we made one mistake, she'd stop the music start the song over and we'd have to start from the beginning and we would have to do it perfectly three times before we could be done with the practice. There's why I'm such a perfectionist. And there's why like, if I can't do it right, I just want to like throw it all away and just not do it. 
And then there's this other side of being on stage and getting validation from an audience of people that I don't even know, but they're letting me know with their applause that I'm good enough. And that's like crazy because I didn't even come to these realizations until I got sober. And it's like, I had to go back to that 14-year-old girl and be like, none of this shit matters. Like, who cares if they're applauding for you or if they're not applauding for you? You are still a worthy human. And so that carried over into my adult life with things like social media and needing all the likes and all the praise. It's just crazy. Like I said, when you start asking yourself why and like digging into these things, you can start connecting the dots back. And then that's when the healing starts is when you can find the root cause. There's a few things you said there actually mm-hmm. um, that I that I wrote down. One of them is like thinking about who you want to be when you grow up. There is no limit. Right. It's kind of a constantly evolving thing, isn't it? Life. Mm-hmm. And you want it to be like that. So I think working out not who you want to be, but the things you want to do, how you want to feel, those are the things that we need to work out. And then we kind of, the way that life flows and you don't know what's around the corner, but you know that you're in the right mindset. You're in a safe place. You're around people who care about you. That's when it becomes exciting because you can kind of let life happen and it elevates you. It changes your life. There's there's just things that always come along because before every day ended in the same way. Every chapter ended with the same story. It was alcohol. Yeah. But that doesn't happen anymore. And the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's that's a sad, that story scares me. I've never been in anything where people, I had a really strict piano teacher once, mm-hmm. Kate Dignam, that was her name. Oh, she mm-hmm. used to hit our hands with a wooden ruler if we oh did something God. wrong. I know. And eventually once I I kind of just said, stop doing that to me. And she looked horrified and went and complained to my parents and and she never came back. And I got this really cool Irish piano teacher after that who was brilliant, you know, but that's the closest I think I've ever come to someone trying to put me in a box and discipline me in that kind of way. But I imagine that that's horrible and you can't really enjoy something when someone's telling you, this is how it has to be. It has to be perfect. And and until you get it that way, you can't move on. Life isn't perfect, you know, and that's, that makes me sad to think of little Steph being made to do that. Yeah. I bet your daughter never did anything. Did she do stuff like that? Did you kind of push her in that direction or did you learn from it? Or I think what I learned from that was to not be that way with her and to let her, like, she didn't get into dance. Um, but she did get into competitive cheer and gymnastics. And so same kind of thing, just different side of the coin. But I definitely was extremely aware that I did not want to be like that with her because it did make me hate it. And I was actually really good. You know, I was really good. But by the time I was 14, I was so burned out. And I was so like, I just didn't feel like I was good enough because I know the intention now as an adult and I can look back and I can forgive this person. But I know the intention was they wanted me to be my best and they did see my potential, but the delivery and the way they did it was not good for me. Like I said, still to this day, I struggle with perfectionism. And it's it's probably something that I will always have to like catch myself. When you drank, Mm -hmm. did you do that in order to please others and Mm -hmm. to try and be the perfect Mm -hmm. wife and friend? You know, was is that also contained within that sphere of 
have to do it right, have to do what mm-hmm. everyone else is doing. Yeah. You think that's kind of what pushed you into drinking 100%. so much? Yep. Because anything I have ever wanted to do, I want to do it like full on, right? The best way I can do it. And it's all about control. And I know like alcohol makes you lose control, but I think something I prided myself on was the fact that I could drink like that and still seem like I was in control. Like I was really proud of that. And which then again is why people really didn't think I had a problem, which caused issues later on because it's like, now I'm like, I have a problem. And they're like, no, you seem fine. And it's like, yeah, because I'm really, all my life, I've been really good at like putting on this act and pushing down any feelings and just putting on that face and just moving through it. I wasn't like that. And actually an ex-boyfriend called me a beautiful disaster once because Mm. I'm not beautiful in the way that I look, but you know, I am, yes, you are. I'm a kind person and I'm a, an empathetic, but that's, that's not what he meant. I hope you thought that, but <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a mean person. I've never been a violent right. drinker or a rude drinker, you know, maybe a bit, but you know, not, I'm not someone who go, Oh, and she has a drink. You want to avoid her, right. but I am messy. And I always knew I was messy and I kind of owned that. I am competitive, like in sports and stuff. I used to play a lot of basketball And I was very competitive, but I didn't mind losing because I always thought, well, someone has to win and things aren't going to be perfect. So I'm very different. I've always thought you don't have to reach perfection because I'm reaching my unique place in whatever I'm trying to do. As long as I'm trying hard, I'm doing okay. And I cannot imagine the amount of pressure that trying to achieve perfection would put on someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost like you were living in a kind of, act and constantly pulling yourself up on things and tearing yourself down for things. It's exhausting. So what's changed then? How has your brain and the way that you function and the way you deal with things changed since you stopped drinking, do you think? Yeah, I'm learning to embrace. I've always had this fear of failure, but I'm learning to come at that at a different angle, that it's not failure. There's no such thing as failure because If something doesn't work out, then there's a reason it didn't work out. And I can actually learn from that and go in a direction that's actually better for me. Because if something's not working out, then it wasn't meant for me. And that's okay because there's so many things to do in life. Because that's like one thing that I've always struggled with is the fact that like I have tried so many different jobs. I've tried so many different hobbies. And I've always seen that as a negative thing. And the reason I see that as a negative thing is because the response I would get from like, my mom or or friends or family of, so you're done with that now. So now what are you going to mm. do? You know, and it was like when it's presented to me in that way, it just felt negative. But now I'm learning that that's actually a really cool thing about me. The fact that like I can learn a new skill very quickly. You know, I'm interested in it. And yeah, maybe I get bored with it, but that's okay because that means throughout my life, I'm going to learn so many different things and that's exciting. And so that has shifted big time. When I was a drinker and I would switch a job and try something new, there was a lot of shame and guilt that came with it because I felt like the last endeavor, I failed at it. I just wasn't good enough to do it because I couldn't do it perfectly. So we're going to not do that anymore. We're going to try something else. And now I don't I don't come in with that angle anymore. I really have put aside the whole doing things perfect. Like sometimes I'll intentionally let myself do something a little sloppy or 
I won't get everything done throughout the day that I wanted to get done. And then I like make that inner child like sit there with that and realize it's okay. Because guess what? That toilet is still going to be dirty tomorrow and the next day. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. I'm really glad that, that we're accepting not getting all the chores done because that's yeah. a daily occurrence for me. But it, there's something about when we're drinkers, we become experts at piling on the shame and we get so used to it. That as soon as we stop, I mean, literally even from day one, when you wake up and you think, I didn't drink, I did it, I got through one day and I haven't had a drink. And then you do another one, you start to realize how amazing it feels not to have that amount of shame or regrets. And actually, that is what I think the main sort of fundamental difference is that I've realized how unhealthy that was for me. And I've also realized I'm not a bad person and all that drinking and all that stuff was a combination of factors. It was society. It was feeling bored. It was what I'd always done. It was addiction. You know, I I was used to this without realizing it. My body was kind of like, give me that wine. It's this time of the night. You need it. And once that goes, you start to feel, and I think that's the kind of pink cloud thing that I start to feel proud of myself. I can do things. I am worthy. And then you start to think, what could I do in my job? And how can I make my relationship better with them? And how will my tennis improve? And God, I'll be able to go for a run before I have to take the kids to school. All these different things start to become possible where before they were just out of reach because physically and mentally you weren't capable of doing them. And you were saying you're pathetic at the same time. So I think that is a huge shift that starts immediately. Yeah, the confidence. Because I remember starting my like my weight training and my strength training when I got sober because I was like, this is the perfect time. I've always wanted to do this. Why not do it now? And the confidence that I had in myself, because I knew now that I'm not drinking, I can keep this promise because the reason I could never keep up with it before is you can't strength train when you're hungover. And I was hungover often, you know, and you can't eat well when you're hungover. And so just that alone, like trusting myself, because that's part of it too, right? You can finally trust yourself. You know, you're going to make a promise and you're not going to go out and get drunk and ruin it. I mean, how many times on a Saturday was I like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to go walk five miles and then 12 hours later, I'm smashed and there's no way I'm getting up to do that. And that all those times you do that, it builds up. You start resenting yourself just like you would yep. resent your spouse or someone else who made promises and broke them. Well, you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. So you Not only are you feeling awful, you keep trying, which which should be a good thing. It should be something you say well done to yourself. Mm-hmm. But because you don't achieve it the way you know you could have achieved it, you're then disappointing yourself you're not doing what you know you could do and that just adds more to the weight of it all doesn't it yeah one thing I really want to talk about and especially after what happened yesterday which (laughs) is big news is the kind of validation we look for because I see a lot of people and I specifically I want to talk about social media actually Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I set up my account a couple of months into my sobriety and I didn't really use Instagram. You know, I've got a personal account and I post once every three months, maybe a photo on a walk. So I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know what I'd get from it, but I wanted to kind of reach a a wider group of people and hear their stories. I didn't put a picture of myself on it and it has developed over the years and it's become a place where I've met real friends and found amazing support and connection But it's a weird one. This whole likes and shares and then the community has become quite splintered recently. And it's starting to remind me a bit of a playground where groups are going off 
People are bitching about each other behind their backs and pulling people one way or another. It started to become a little bit uncomfortable for me because of that. You know, I am not there to make money. I literally have my account to share my story and hope that it will help people. But social media can have a really positive and a really negative effect on finding yourself because I think it's quite easy to get quite addicted to it. And a lot of people say this. And it's also quite easy to start thinking you get validation from it. I know people who have bought followers. Now, that does not make you more popular. If anything, it tells you you can't achieve that on your own. You've had to buy it. And I don't understand why people do that. But when it comes to social media, what have you gained from it? And what has happened? Because, well, you tell people what's happened with it. Well, I made a very bold decision yesterday to take a year off social media. And the reason for that is I came to a big realization that it was no longer serving me for the purpose that I got on almost two years ago. I started my sober Instagram account when I was 99 days sober. And basically the same thing as you, Kate, like I didn't have any sober friends in my real life. I, at that point in my sobriety, like my willpower was only taking me so far and I was starting, I could feel myself starting to question it and I needed, I wanted it so bad. And I was like, I know there's got to be other people out there. And I had read the book Quit Like a Woman and that is something she suggested in that book is to go on Instagram and follow the hashtag sober and you will find there's plenty of women out there just like you. And so that's what I did. And, you know, I was like you. I was, I've never been a huge fan of social media because of the cattiness and the fact that people can hide behind their screen and say really hurtful things. And I'm just way too sensitive for that. Before that, I just had never really been very interactive on social media. But this was like different, right? And I know you'll agree, like, especially when it first started, it was different. Like everyone was so loving. I had all these people reaching out to me and following me, inspiring me. And it was amazing. And when I started to feel really strong, the next thing I wanted to do was be that for other people that were onboarding to Sober Instagram. So I started creating posts that were inspiring and sharing my story and you know answering DMs and helping people. And it's been really good. But I remember making a promise to myself that when it started not feeling good, because like I said, I had a past with social media that was not good, if it ever started feeling like that again, that I would exit for my own well-being. And that's kind of what happened. There's a shift going on. I think it's still helpful for people new in sobriety. There are so many great accounts. Like, that's what I love about it. Like, there's so many great accounts. Like, that's what we wanted, right? We want more people to be sober. We want more people screaming it from the rooftops. And we've got it, for sure. But I don't need that anymore. And I'm not trying to sound complacent because I'm well aware that I daily have to do the work and remind myself to stay sober. It's almost like Instagram was like this crutch for me. And now that I've like healed that wound, I can walk without it. The only time I'm getting on social media is when I start experiencing like an uncomfortable feeling. Well, Maybe before I'm... you get on or yeah. once you open before that Before I get on, the only reason I reach for my phone and click on that app is because either I'm bored or I'm feeling something really uncomfortable and I don't want to sit with it and like process it. So it's a distraction. Okay. And guess what? That's what I used to do with alcohol. And yeah. so I feel like what has happened for me is like Instagram helped me stop doing that with alcohol. And the next step is to not now do that with social media. I'm two years in 
And I'm not saying that's not a lot of time, but like when you look at the rest of my life, that is a small snippet and there's still work to be done. And this is part of that work. I still have a lot of work to do in sitting with my feelings. I do a good job of it, but there's still a lot to do. And I, and this has been a distraction. It doesn't help me, you know, and then I feel like sometimes I need to create a post. If I'm feeling really bad about myself or my self-esteem, I feel like I need to create a post so I can get that 14-year-old girl can get that applause from that audience of people she doesn't really know telling her that she's great. I need to start finding that from within because if I can't find that from within, I'm going to constantly get addicted to these other ways of finding it. And I'm fully aware of that right now. And so that's the long answer of why my Instagram is on pause for a full year. And I'm so like, I did that. And I just felt like the shackles were cut off of me. Like I felt so free. I woke up this morning just feeling like amazing. So there's no regrets in that decision. Good for you. And I think as soon as you do start noticing a change in your attitude towards it, it's really important. I mean, most people start a sober account for support. Mm -hmm. They don't start it going, I want to be a sober celebrity or an influencer, all those things that, you know, I I really don't like those words. Mm -hmm. But they do it to find connection. And then they become the people. I mean, it's exactly like me. And I had you know, specifically people like Sober Dave and Kim from Sober is the New Call. And they were people, and I remember when they followed me back and DM'd me, I was like, this is like Prince Harry sending me a message. You know, (laughs) this is so cool because they were so instrumental in my early sober months. And actually I just had so much respect for them. I'm not thinking of leaving anytime soon but I'm certainly noticing my relationship with it has changed, you know, and because I don't make money from it, because I'm not a sober coach, I've got no financial gain of being on Instagram. I can come and go when I want. And that is quite freeing. And I think a lot of people who are there and they have either collaborations with people and they've, they've promised they'll post every day for a month or they've got to do certain things. I think that could become quite exhausting, Mm -hmm. but for me, it has been useful and it really has helped me find my identity, because the people on there and the stories on there have shown me how other people have progressed. And it's almost given me permission to not make my thoughts feel like they're a selfish thing. I think you can get kind of, you can go down the rabbit hole with social media. And if you look at your phone, and how long you've actually spent on it, you'd probably be shocked. It's very healthy to step away from it every once in a while. And I did it this summer when I was in Africa for a month. And it was different because I started looking up and outwards a lot more rather than down and at this screen. And it's one of the real dangers. And I think once you are sober, you have this time, you're going to look at your phone, you're going to do a lot of scrolling, but you've got to be really careful you don't get addicted to something else Mm -hmm. that's going to be damaging. Yeah, because I think there's this like as you were speaking, I just I kept thinking of the word resentment. Like you you could build mm-hmm. up a resentment towards it. And I think that's what was happening with me. Like I was starting to resent it because I felt like it was just wanting so much from me. Yeah. And I didn't feel like that's what I wanted to do right now. And I'm not saying demanding as in like there's people telling me I need to post. Like this is what I was creating yeah. in my own yeah. mind, right? Like, okay, I've got such amount followers. So I need to like keep the ball rolling and I need to come up with some creative content that no one else is coming up with. And I need to answer these DMs and I need to respond to every comment. 
when it starts becoming that and it's not coming from a place of like, you need to do it to keep yourself sober. That's when I was yeah. like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't. But you're not getting yet. anything from it. No, and I'm that's, not. that's like everything. We start to look at things and go, what am I getting from this? Whether it is like a Tuesday night bowling club or Instagram or a relationship, doesn't matter how small or how big, it could be to do with eating white bread. It doesn't matter. You start to look at things and go, this is a massive improvement I've made in my life, this no drinking. What other improvements Mm -hmm. can I make now? That's what seems to happen with everyone. You make that first huge change and then you realize you want to get everything else in order. Because you yeah. want to make the most of your life. You've been given this sort of second chance. Yes. And you think, I want to go for it. I'm not here just to kind of live half a life. I want to go out there and live it to the full. I want to be old and look back and go, I had fun. I enjoyed myself. I have no regrets. And that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. So whether that's changing physically and deciding you want to really get on to the exercise you know, mm-hmm. wheel and get going and start really improving your fitness, whether you want to change your job, mm-hmm. you know, and loads of people change their jobs when they get sober. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not something I would have thought. Again, you stop drinking and what, you change your job? How are those two things connected? But it's about the way we view ourselves and what we're capable of and what we deserve. You weren't getting anything from social media anymore. So it didn't make any sense. When you said to me, I'm going to stop, I just can't do it. It's like, it did not come as a surprise to me. Yeah. Because I could tell you weren't getting, I do still get a lot from it. And I love creating reels. They take me three minutes to make. I put them up. And for me, I get to take a step back from my work, which is normally quite dry, you know, writing about things like the industrial revolution, which is what I'm doing at the moment. I get to step away and do some goofy reel and it makes me smile, but it doesn't matter how many likes I get. It really doesn't. You can't help but notice it. And Mm -hmm. that's where I think it can get dangerous, but it doesn't matter. This is me writing a diary and I'm allowing people to come and look over my shoulder If they want to walk by, absolutely. I'm not going to stop and read everyone's diary. Mm -hmm. If you want to stop and look and interact, great. But I see it very differently to you. And I think if it did become unhealthy and I felt pressured, I would do exactly the same thing. I just feel like um, part of what I'm trying to do in sobriety too is just live in the moment and be present. And I wasn't able to do that with this lingering like, ooh, should I be recording this right now so I can make it an Instagram post? So what I'm saying, too, is in sobriety, I'm really discovering things that I don't like to do. Like you think you're going to find all these things you like to do, and maybe that will be your journey. But my journey has been more about discovering all the things I do that I don't like to do that I'm just doing because that's what like society does or like other people do and they're enjoying it. So maybe I will enjoy it. And that's okay, Right. It's okay to try new things, but I really want to be true to myself. You just don't want to become someone who ends up with nothing. Right. Because actually, I think you can become a bit of a recluse because I mm-hmm. think a lot of people who thought they were extroverts find out they're introverts. Yep. We start loving going to bed at, you know, 10 o'clock um, or earlier. <laughs> but actually, it could be quite easy to kind of crawl into your cave yeah. and go, I'm comfortable in here and I'm fine. And I think that's dangerous mm-hmm. um, because that's not living either. Right. And, and I do those things and I am literally sitting in a dark cave, which is my study, and I sit here all day. But I don't share things on Instagram about my life, which makes up 90% of my life. 
You know, I talk about sobriety, but I have lots of friends. I do stuff. I've got children. I've got a dog. I go on walks with my husband and the dog most days. All of things like that, they're not documented. So I've got that separate part of my life that is actually very colorful and very busy and very loud. You know, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a professional. I've got all these different relationships going on. So I think for me, I choose, I know which bits I'm sharing. Yeah. And that's that's perfect for my sobriety. And some people will start merging between those two yep. different parts of my life, and that's fine. But going back to the thing about being a recluse, I find myself sitting there and thinking, right, I've got an hour. I want to kind of think about things. But the harder I try and think about things, the more I just sit there going, I'm not thinking about anything. You know, I've got books, I've got things to read through with inspirational quotes, I've got all of that stuff, but I'm still struggling a bit with actually eureka moments. Mm. What do you think about that? Do those exist? Are they important? Mm -hmm. How do you actually move forward and take a big stride in a different direction? Or do you think we just take small steps and and we look back and realize what we've done in the past year? Because I do need to kind of, I feel like I want to get deeper in my Mm -hmm. mind, but I don't want to keep always dragging up the past and things that I talk about. I want to think about the future and my career and my health and my friends. I want to think about traveling. I want to think about doing more things with charity work. But I almost, you know, when I stop and actually think, how am I going to do that? My mind goes completely blank. Like you get hung up on it in a way. Like you can't you know. like go any further on like when you I say. I don't know how to progress because I've never mm. done it. I don't mm. know what you do. Like what's the first When step? you want to potentially change your career. So, you know, I've got a great career as a writer and I sit here and I've got lots of clients that I work with and companies and I do lots of really interesting stuff but I would like to work with people more so I'd like to I can choose how much work I do I could work three days a month if I wanted or I could work six days a week because there's enough work there for me but I want to do something else but when I sit and try and think about what I want to do what am I really interested in I struggle to make a list of two things I struggle to make a list of one thing sometimes And it's almost like I haven't got enough life experience and I have a lot of life experience, but it all revolves around partying to think, what do I want to do? I I know exactly what you're talking about. And honestly, like for me personally, what I've done is let it go because I feel like anytime I sit and try to force something to come to mind, it's just like too restricted. And I have to just kind of have patience and I have to kind of have faith that everything's going to come to me when it's meant to, like when I'm ready. And so if I'm not thinking of anything right now, then that means I'm just not ready. I sort of feel like I don't want to waste time now. Now yeah. that I've got my shit together. I know. I'm like, I don't want to waste time. I've got energy. You know, mm. I don't want to be suddenly 50 and then suddenly 60 and then suddenly 70. I kind of have got the energy just like when I decided to quit. I had this fire in my belly and I went, now is the time. I know it's a few days before Christmas, but now is the time. Mm -hmm. And I did it and I've got that now, but I don't know where to run. I don't know which direction to run to. And I am confident in myself. And I feel like these two years have been about me learning to like myself, to love myself, to respect myself to get used to this feeling of you're not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything to hurt yourself. You've got to forgive yourself for all the stuff, you know, all the embarrassments, all the dangerous situations you put yourself in, the shame of all of that. It's gone. I've dealt with that. 
Yeah. But now I'm this kind of like bubble of excitement, but I don't know where to go because I haven't grounded myself in enough places. And yeah. I think that's where I'm at at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm really comfortable with who I am. I am more confident than I've ever been. And that's scary because I've always been quite a confident person, but now <laughs> I'm like invincible. I don't think I'm right about everything. I don't think I know about everything, but I know that how I feel is important to me and it doesn't matter that I don't have to appeal to everyone but it's that moving forward and I think you've got to look first at all those things and sort those out and then maybe as you say something will come up Mm -hmm. an opportunity and I'll be ready for it but I'm almost like twiddling my thumbs like I could be doing more and now I know that I can do some incredible things I want to get moving on them yeah Well, you're hyper aware now too. And I think you need to realize that like when the opportunity does come, like you're going to be ready to pounce on it. So maybe this Uh, is a time for you to kind of enjoy the peace because I feel like sometimes when things are just still, it can make you feel uneasy, but I think it's also preparing you and like telling you enjoy this right now because there's something really big. And Kate, for as long as I've known you, like you're meant to do big things. And I think there is probably something big on the horizon. So just enjoy this calm right now. And you'll probably appreciate that later that like, I'm so glad that I didn't spend so much time worrying about what was ahead because I got to fully enjoy like this time and this time with my husband and my kids because now I'm full on with this, you know, and like you'll see when you reflect why this was so important, like this downtime was so important. That's so true. Although if this is downtime, God knows what busy is going to be because I do feel like I don't have enough time in the day mostly running around if I find any more socks on stairways or <laughs> cups under beds I mean honestly I could be a full-time housekeeper I, I feel how you. many t-shirts can a 14 year old boy get through in a day anyway that is a, is a different offline conversation <laughs> but yeah you are right and there is something to be said for the fact that we've been living in this survival mode mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. life has been crazy loud blah, and then crash embarrassment hide apologize Drink, 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 crazy loud again. And it's been on repeat for 20 years plus. And when you're used to living in that, it can just seem to kind of get very quiet all of a sudden. But that time, you're right, just sitting there and thinking of nothing is actually telling me something about myself. And actually, it's good. It's telling me I don't have massive worry and fear because they're not coming to the front of my mind. I'm just sitting here going, that's a nice lamp. Should I give it a dust? Things like that. But I'm not sitting there going, I've got to deal with this awful thing. And parts of life should be like that. And you're right. You should enjoy them. And then one step at a time, you should maybe try something new. And I don't like the word hobbies because it just reminds me of really old people doing boring things. Thank you. Why is that? I hate the word hobby. (laughs) It's so boring. Hobbies? You know, oh, I don't have hobbies. And I used to show off about the fact I didn't have them. I mean, I wish I did now. But when you think about people who play the guitar really well yeah. or rock climb or things like that, you think those people are so cool. But the word hobby just does, doesn't fit in. I don't in. even understand what the word hobby means. Because, yeah, I instantly think like basket weaving or. <laughs> <laughs> that just... is so true. What is a hobby? I don't even I'm looking know. it up now. In the 13th century, the word hobby referred to a small horse or pony. It later came to describe a toy horse, a hobby horse. And it is from the hobby horse that the words modern sense of favorite pastime evolved. Aha. 
So oh. it's from like the hobby horse. Okay. I used to have a hobby horse, you know, a really? stick with a horse's head on the top. And you kind of put it, you hold on to it and you kind of pretend canter. Oh. Do you not know what a hobby horse is? No. I'm sure it's American because my parents are American and yeah. I used to have one and people would go, but yeah, a hobby it's horse. It's a real horse? No, it's basically it's like a, it's a stick, like a broom. Okay, and it's yeah, got yeah, a yeah, horse's yeah. head you, on the top. Ride it like kids a... get on it and they run around pretending yeah. they're on a horse. Okay. That's what it is. That's a hobby horse. I mean, you could literally chop the head off of one of, you know, your children's teddy bears and stick it on a broom handle and it okay. could be a hobby horse. Got you. Don't yeah. do that. That would be really... Really traumatizing. Upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that... Okay, so that's a hobby. It doesn't really cover kind of extreme no. sports. No. Or photography or cooking or baking. To me, it's a more childish thing. And, and maybe that's why it doesn't fit. Well, it's something you do that you don't earn money from. So yeah. you only do it for enjoyment. But we need to come up with a new word, I think, that isn't a hobby. But going back to, because we haven't got long left, going back to discovering yourself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. finding who you are. Have you got any other kind of big, big reveals about how you've changed in the last couple of years? And, and have you learned anything about yourself yeah. that you're really surprised about? I mean, I think I'm still working on a lot of things, but I feel like I've improved. I think right, really what's happened and is still continuing to happen is just the discovery, right? The discovery of needing the validation, the people pleasing and all of that. And then, I mean, I can share like things that I've done to help me work through that because that might be helpful for the listeners too. Because I've done talk therapy. I've done hypnotherapy. I actually just finished up uh, a month of hypnotherapy. And I think it is kind of what catapulted this decision because I did some hypnotherapy to help me with confidence and self-sabotage because those are... Well, I do feel confident. Um, it's still a new feeling for me. And so the reason I did hypnosis, because this is how I see hypnosis, the hypnosis takes it to another level. So it's like, I know I'm confident, but I don't believe it. There's still part of my subconscious that doesn't believe it. And so the hypnosis really like taps into that part of my brain so that it now becomes- what, Sorry, what do they do? In this, do, do you go in and lay on a bench and they hold a clock in front of you and they sort of say, like a little spinny look thing, into my, look into my eyes and then you're out and then they sort of say, run around, take your clothes off and run around the room pretending to be a starfish or something. That's what I imagine. I know. And that's, that is not it at all. It is actually, <laughs> thank God for that. You're never unaware. So you remember everything. They just put you in a very relaxed state. So you just lay back. And I'm actually doing it through Zoom because the woman that I'm doing it with is in Canada. Um, so I'm doing it through Zoom, which is even better because I'm in the comfort of my own home. I just lay back on the bed and I just listen to her voice. And she has you do deep breathing and just takes you into basically the best way to describe when you're in hypnosis. Because we go in and out of hypnosis all day long. Think of a time when you were driving down the highway and you don't remember the last like two miles. You were in a state of hypnosis. That's worrying so, me, Steph. I don't so, think that's ever happened. <laughs> no. That's never happened to you? Like you're just driving and like you're thinking of other things. Yeah, I guess it has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you're just like, oh, but like if a deer would have ran out in front of you, you would have stopped. Like, yeah, yeah. You're still aware. So like I'm not in a space where like if my house started on fire, I can't move. So it's not a feeling of like lack of control. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah, still in control. It's not like the cartoons where your eyes start right. twirling. Yeah. And then all it is, is because you're in such a relaxed state, 
that subconscious part of your brain is more alert. When you're that relaxed, that that's when your subconscious is more alert. And so anything that she says, you absorb it more. And it's just a lot of positive affirmations. And then it goes into like, she has you like at one point I had to go into a past situation and I had whatever came up for me was what I needed to work on. And you just go in there as a a viewer of the, like, you don't go back into your body, but you are viewing it now as an adult. So for me, it was something that happened when I was a teenager and you watch the scenario and then you re kind of see it differently. You know, you start seeing everybody's viewpoint and you just, Hmm. it just does something. It is important that it's someone you are very comfortable with because this person is going to be putting you in a very vulnerable state. And so make sure you do your research. Um, And if you want to reach out through, you know, email through the sober effect, I can always shoot you in the right direction. My hypnotherapist, she's amazing. And like I said, you don't even have to live where she lives because she can do it all through Zoom. But that's a great thing. And actually doing these things and spending some money on yourself is quite, it feels quite frivolous it's like Mm. I'm actually just going to spend like I've just ordered the Zoe patch which is a big thing over here in the UK and I don't know if you have it over there but it's all about your gut health your blood sugar uh, menopause all these different things and it's quite complex and it's quite expensive you know it's like three to four hundred pounds split over over a number of months but I just thought I really want to do this as I'm still getting so tired all the time And I'm sure that drinking has really affected my energy levels and my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So I just want to do this and I want to do it for me. And I'm so excited about having this patch on my arm and these readings. And I've joined up to be part of this trial where they look at blood sugar as well. So I've Mm -hmm. agreed that my readings can be sent off. And I'm just really excited because I would never have invested that because I also would have thought my body's full of crap. I don't want the statistics to be shared. And it's a waste of money. By being good and being healthier and being happier, I'm like, I actually want to find out this stuff. It's all about improving, improving our health and our mental health our lifestyle, our choices. I want to do more traveling. I really want to do more traveling. Now I've done a couple of sober holidays. I'm so excited about the prospect of doing more. If only they were free, Steph, I would be (laughs) away all the time. And that's another thing. We've got to earn money. And, you know, I've got to find a balance between doing things I love and spending my time doing things for free because I do help a lot of people with their books, with editing various things with writing content. You know, I write for a couple of magazines for free and that takes time. And I love doing that. And I always will find a balance between working for big corporations Mm -hmm. and doing stuff Mm -hmm. to help people and doing things I'm interested in. But again, you know, if I want to travel, if I want to do things like this Zoe thing, if I want to eat fresh vegetables from the market, I need to earn money. And it's yeah. it's finding that balance in life. Yeah. But it's exciting. It's a it challenge. Is, it is all about balance. 100%. Clear. Well, we've spoken for quite a long time already. I think our time's kind of up. Yeah. So how do you want to wrap it up, Steph? What do you want to say? Everyone's going to miss you, you know, and you've got over 3000 followers. That's quite a lot of people who are going to miss seeing your cheery face. And I'm not trying to convince you to come back because I think this is absolutely the right decision for you. And it's quite exciting. And I've got your phone number and I get to speak Mm -hmm. to you. So for me, I'm not really losing you. But give us a quick idea of what you're going to be doing over the next year so that people who are going to miss you. And let's be honest, it might carry on for longer because you might just get used to it. Yeah. No promises. I'm definitely going to 
do a year. Um, and then I may come back and I might come back, you know, with a different mindset around it where it won't feel unhealthy for me. And if not, it doesn't, but I am going to continue with the podcast. Like I don't foresee that going away. And actually, I think that this is going to be good because the podcast is actually where I feel that I'm doing the most. I've always wanted to give back to the sober community. And I was trying to do that with my Instagram. I just think that there was just too much noise within there that just kept me from doing it where I felt it was actually making a difference. And so with the podcast, I really do feel like it makes a huge difference and I will continue to do it. It's my vocation. It's my hobby. <laughs> it's, there we go. Know. We do have one. Yeah. <laughs> it's where, you know, I keep myself in check. We love sharing this stuff. We talked about this the other day. We love sharing this stuff. We love sharing things about ourselves for the listeners. But guess what, listeners? We get a lot out of this conversation too. Like Kate and I yeah, get a we lot. Do. I mean, we do talk every day, but this is our time to like sit down and have a 45 minute to an hour conversation and dig in deep. And so, you know, there's a lot of value in that. So yeah, I'll still be Absolutely. And it's just, I forget we're being recorded. It's just like having a chat, isn't it? Because, and sometimes I wonder how much value we're actually bringing, but actually sometimes it's nice to sit and just listen to two people having a conversation about stuff. And, you know, I work stuff out after our chats I know I've always got I always feel calm and I always feel like I'm going in the right direction and that's what it's for and I'm so glad you're not leaving um because that would be awful news for me but thank you Steph and enjoy your freedom from the internet well from Instagram anyway I think working out who you are should be exciting Mm -hmm. it's about building yourself back up from a place of pretty dark stuff, actually, when you get into the kind of into the worst parts of your drinking, it can be so sad and so lonely and self-destructive. And now it's about positivity and everything you choose to do is a positive move for yourself. And that is exciting, isn't it? Thanks for tuning in. We're just two women from opposite sides of the pond striving to shed light on the negative impacts of alcohol. Quick heads up. We're not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is seriously affecting your mental or physical health, seek professional help. And don't forget to hit that follow button to catch all of our future episodes. If you think our podcast could make a difference to someone you know, share the love. And hey, leaving a five-star review will really help the Sober Effect reach more fantastic people like you. So thank you. 